Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Sentimental Garbage, the podcast where we talk about the culture we love that society sometimes makes us feel ashamed of. My name is Caroline and I've got a pretty sizable arse there. Huge thighs. And she's still recovering from that scene in Bridget Jones' diary. It's Hannah Flint. (laughs) I do have a sizable arse and I'm very happy about it. As Beyonce says, it's thick. As much as that line makes me feel sad for humanity, the line delivery is so good. Yeah. It's the pause and then huge thighs yeah it's like I, I like the idea that she did a fer- like several versions of it the actress and I don't know her name but she was in Teachers as well yes she's in everything she's in like always and where's she gone now I miss her but um, yeah it was just like I love the idea like, okay let's do it this way let's do it that way it's like wow well, because she doesn't have that many lines but it's that one that just like seared onto your yeah. brain yeah that's how you know it's like that's a real actor's actor it's like that character in Love Actually is just like she's an aide she's in the background but then huge thighs just like round and round in my head but it's also kind of it's something that we say in the privacy I mean not I don't think you would get away of saying stuff like that online but you know we talk as girls, women, we have the kind of conversations have we like maybe like dissect someone's body Mm. and it felt like oh as much as that's an awful thing to say about Martin McCutcheon mm-hmm. or the character. It's like, I feel like that we were kind of conditioned to think that was okay. Like, it's okay, okay to like say, oh yeah, tiny tits, like big ass, look there, at the lines. There's, like an, there's, a, there's an emotional honesty to the scene that's horrible yet true, which is why it's funny and why you react to it every time you see it, that in this like incredibly saccharine film, Love Actually, basically the most saccharine film you could really think of, which is absolutely loaded with fat phobia also like that sister in the Portuguese kind of mm. plot line it makes me very uncomfortable um, but uh, I realised I was saying Bridget Jones there and I've got it in my head but it is yeah. not actually it's all of the, the Richard Curtis <laughs> vibes yeah. I, I feel like it's the kind of because it's again it's the Hugh Grant yes. the connection of like Bridget Jones oh yeah and I'm thinking about I mean it's like I thought she said she was thin and I was like oh yeah oh my god that's insane because obviously Renee Zellweger gets like anything but fat or like big but yeah like Love Actually it's so interesting Love Actually as a film because again I actually still really enjoy watching it and for me I mean you know, it sticks out in my mind like the Joni Mitchell scene with uh, oh yeah, I mean Thompson. absolutely yeah like that I mean Joni Mitchell like the first tattoo I ever got was like a Joni Mitchell lyric from that from Blue Album which um, I, and I just feel there's so many great moments of it but it's also like hmm mm-hmm. huh yeah let's uh, reassess so to, yeah, to, to get on that reassessment, this uh, episode today is, is a little different than what we usually approach things on the podcast. So as I said in the intro, it's where we uh, talk about the culture we love that society makes us feel ashamed of, reclaiming sort of chiclet and all sort of female culture, quote unquote. Um, but today we're kind of talking about the culture we love that doesn't necessarily love us back all the time. And we're particularly honing in on a chapter that you wrote in your book, Strong Female Character, um, that sort of fat, not just fat phobia, but sort of 
weight representation, eating disorder representation that are smuggled into the 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 culture that we love and trust mm. and how we deal with that, mm. you know? Mm. And I think it's a it's a reckoning as well because we're at this weird crossroads of how we talk about fatness and weight and dieting where there's such an enormous amount of media literacy and I think of podcasts like Maintenance Phase that are like about debunking diets and, and talking, you know, that... that fat can be healthy and fatness is healthy you know what I mean it's like it's not necessarily and, and recognizing that we've we've talked about fatness and it being a sort of a moral indicator in film and tv for years and debunking that but we're also living in this reigning era of like ozempic and mm. films like the whale that are just feel like like they're still depicting weight as being this grotesque thing and I guess I just yeah. want to check in with you about it all <laughs> it's yeah no it's so interesting the whale I spoke to Darren Aronofsky for my uh, film review podcast Fade to Black and I had this really interesting I don't know I I'm, I both found it to be quite profound mm-hmm. in a way but also felt that there's certain the way they did things was quite dehumanizing and I actually kind of I put that to Darren. I was like, because there's a, in the whale, from the moment he eats, it's the sound effects. It's the, like, every bite of chicken. It's like gross. And mm-hmm. it's like seen as this, like, and I get what they're trying to do. They're trying to say, this guy's eating himself to death because of his cycle, like mental health issues. And I think the biggest thing I connect with as someone who had, uh, well, you, I don't think you ever get rid of an eating disorder, but someone who has bulimia and did the purge binge cycle, especially when I was younger, like, it grapples with how you're trying to fill that hole. And I think the whale, in a way, does is successful in the sense of what we do to ourselves because we're trying to fill that hole of pain inside. Mm. But, of course, I don't think that every time he eats it should be seen as, like, like a horror movie because we have to eat. And I think that's a difficult thing about eating disorders mm. is that it's not like smoking. You can, you know, give it up. Or alcohol, you can give it up. You have to eat. So every time you sit down for a meal it becomes a kind of trigger or a test. And so with the whale, I do think it's interesting that we kind of get into that eating disorder dynamics, that kind of how the psychological effect, especially with someone who is bigger, who is like a man as mm-hmm. well. Because mm-hmm. again, most of the stuff certainly, and you know, like, the difficulty writing a book about film is that you're like, there are so many films I can possibly... <laughs> there are simply so many. <laughs> it's just... Maybe it's counterproductive for me to say maybe too many films. <laughs> like, give me a break. Let me get off my neck. Like, please. I see so many movies a week. And it's like, I went away last week and I was like, I'm going to read. And I read five books. I was like, yes. And now I don't have to read any more for the rest of the year. <laughs> it's like, I'm done. But, um, but you know, most of the stuff, I'm 35. I just turned 35. So, you know, most of the stuff that we watch, and it wasn't even films that even have to have anything to do with, like, eating disorders or even mention it, but we saw a very specific standard of, like, mm. white, skinny women. And then, you know, we'll go back to Love Actually. The mentalness of that film is that Martine McCutcheon, who is probably, what, like a size 10, 12 mm-hmm. in that film? She's presented as this, like, fat person, as mm-hmm. if. And it's that, and it's... <sighs> It's weird because you get into this, uh, you know, I mentioned the book like Super Size versus Super Skinny, which I was obsessed with watching. Like, mm. you know, they're all those kind of like 10 years younger. Those, again, we look back and I was like, oh, maybe we shouldn't have watched this. Yeah. But the extremities, like we we kind of, the middle bit where actually most people exist with their, with their kind of troubled eating as well. Like, and again, each of us have our different sizes. We've got different 
you know, you could be an endomorph, an ectomorph, a mesomorph. Like, sorry, I'm bringing a bit what more. Are the, G- what are those words? So, that, so <laughs> these are the things I remember from my GCSEPE. But basically, it's like your body type. So there's kind of, if you look at a kind of like a, a triangle, the ectomorphs would be like slimmer frames. People are just like naturally slimmer. Mm-hmm. You'd have mesomorph who were kind of more muscular, muscular, and then you'd have um, endomorph who were kind of bigger. And so we kind of all fit on like a, like in between, right. like in some of I've that. never heard this... Um- this well, there you go. That's the only thing I remember from okay. GCSEPE, I think. Um, and, uh, and you know, I used to play basketball for, like, National League for England. So sport was a very much part of my lifestyle. And then when I went to university, you know, suddenly you have to eat, cook for yourself. Like, you're in control of your diet. Mm. And then, you know, everyone gets the gains that, like, I feel like everyone's, like, in America they say the freshman 15. Right. But, like, you know, you kind of change. You're drinking a lot. And suddenly, when at the same time, you're reading Heat magazine. You're reading, you know, mm. everything that's saying to you, like circling around marks on your body. It's like, oh my god, I can't believe that we like took all that in. And at the same time, watching films that say this is what you're supposed to look like, and you know, trying to achieve that sort of like ridiculous standard. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's a really uh, interesting thing because sometimes I'm very aware that like. Certainly for me, even when I had my eating disorder, when it first really developed when I was doing my master's, you know, I'm like, I think I'm about like 10 stone now. And again, I don't really weigh myself anymore. I've got past that point. Mm -hmm. And but I was I must I was 11 stone when I left uni. And I'm sorry if it's like triggering to talk about stones on this, but I gained like three, three stone. And it wasn't like I was like massively big or anything like that but I did feel really uncomfortable in my body and that was because I kept on I mean it's annoying you kind of feel like if I've got an eating disorder I should at least lose some weight but no I gained it and it's that thing we don't see I can identify myself as having bulimia because I don't what does bulimia even look like Mm -hmm. you know that's anorexia we all know like she looks anorexic we know it's skinny so like when you're not having that kind of conversations represented and this is why it's the beauty of cinema is that it can represent so many different walks of life ways of life and living but you know I didn't have <clears throat> the kind of visual language or even like you know written language or anything going on about what bulimia was so it's very difficult to me to understand it and I suppose you know can some people say oh you look great and it's like oh mm. you'll look fine it's like don't feel fine in my body because I know the only reason I've gained this weight is in an unhealthy way. I'm literally going to reduce section, buying so many cakes, like all the basics, like Sainsbury's basics, chocolate cookies and biscuits. And I'm trying to fill, fill that hole. So mm. I think, yeah, the there is a very specific thing. And again, going about super size versus skinny, that's like, that's what we said. That's what overweight is. This is what super skinny is. Mm-hmm. When you're in the middle bit, it's really hard to navigate your own like unique individual perspective of like how you want your body to feel and look and just be okay with it. This is um, something I might edit out later, but I actually, as someone very close to me was on super size versus super skinny. Wow. Um, and he was on season one and uh, he was... Rec- this is what I can't get over. His therapist recommended him for the show. Wow. Because he didn't have any more money for therapy. And he went, the therapist was like, well, you know, what might be a good... <laughs> yeah. Represent, you know, a good sort of way for you to get therapy is to be on this show. And and he was sort of like, look, boys can get it too, kind yeah. of thing. Um, which sort of brings me back to this kind of thing of like, we have such a specific idea that is prompted by the culture of what and who gets an eating disorder. Yeah. And I think, and it's it's almost always pictured as being a young white woman illness. Mm. And I think what's so interesting middle about class that, middle and class, and, yeah. uh, and, and like 
like slightly wealthy like you know one of the stats i put in the in in, in the book is about how beats said a lot of people assume that you have to have you're affluent like you can afford to not eat anything or yeah. whatever and actually a lot of people in low income you know like you know work quote unquote working class people people of different you know ethnic backgrounds like you know yeah. again and it's all there but we just just make this assumption and as you said it's what we see on screen it's what we see on screen and i think what that does is it's like it, it's sort of it you know how like how a, a a band or a pop star or any the Beatles or whatever the the minute they lose credibility is the minute they have teenage fans. Yeah, I think that's what we do with eating disorders as mm. well. It's like we by depicting it as a thing that young white middle class or upper middle class women um, suffer from. It's like this is a disease that you get when you have no real problems mm. and you're just sort of like taking it out on yourself because you feel a bit sad and maybe the magazines are being a bit cruel kind of thing mm. as opposed to this thing that affects many different people many different yeah. levels and, and absolutely everywhere you yeah know? and we divorce people think that people who have eating disorders it's just because they want to look slim and stuff we divorce the mental health aspect of it it's like there's a reason why someone doesn't want to eat and it's most sometimes mm-hmm. there's something totally different that's guiding it for me uh, you know I was I, I, I you know was still dealing with a bit probably depression and anxiety that I never mm-hmm. really dealt with I was doing my masters at the point I like hooked up with my the love of my life ex who broke up with me a year before and then he ghosted me and I was in this flat on my own and I remember it so vividly I, d- I remember coming like it was during the Christmas time it was like a big break doing my I did my master's at broadcast journalism at City University of London and just watching like Grey's Anatomy and just going shopping in my bed and eat like just eating mm. and I just yeah it's that trying to fill a hole and I realized like that was my crux that's what I was I was emotionally eating and it's because I had this other sadness other people could have it because they you know anorexia or something it's like a sense of control like I can't control any other aspects of my life and it seems too much I can control this and I feel like that's another thing because everyone kind of looks it up it's like oh people just want to be skinny or they you know whatever and it's like no that's actually not the reason because again being skinny is not the only way you can have an eating disorder you can be mm. uh, plus size you can be any size and having an eating disorder yeah and it's i'm reminded of something that um i think it was Catelyn Moran wrote where she said that um you know overeating or disordered eating is often a carer's addiction kind of thing because you can um binge and still get your children up in the morning mm. for school and dress them and wash them. If you're an alcoholic, you can't necessarily do that or a drug addict, you can't yeah. necessarily do that. So it's like something that you're using to fill the hole that you could also perform other parts of your life. Yeah, you know? absolutely. I I mean, you know, that's just reminded me when I, when I graduate from my master's, I was working at like a marketing agency during the week. And then on weekends, I managed to get like some work experience at LBC radio. Mm. So I was working like Saturday and Sunday early morning, guest booking and then Monday to Friday so it was a very intense period so I was so busy and I could secret eat like they I remember mm. I remember because LBC is part of global and I remember you, they used to have these like massive boxes of like dairy milk chocolate that was just there and I would just, mm. just keep eating them I just like have five in a day and it and it's mad because even at this time I was going to I was signed up for gym box next door you know I did a half marathon so you can do all these things at the mm. same time but still when it comes to like that, I just needed that as the relief. It was like a weird relief. And then the shame comes through and the guilt comes through. And that's when you purge. And then I remember, you know, there was talking about like fad diets. I mean, I remember doing, there was this thing called, I think it's the Cambridge diet. So I went to see someone each week and they would give me these sachets or something you're supposed to have. That was like oat milk or it was oatmeal or 
a milkshake or um or like soup mm. and I was trying to do that that way with someone and it just you know it didn't work because I still buy and I'm paying whatever it was a week it, it was only until and I suppose probably because of the as an athlete like as a junior athlete mm. like I met a personal trainer and you know having that coach back and someone and over a year I managed to get just down and my disordered eating just kind of main you know leveled out I suppose mm-hmm. and I stopped using that and yeah and I it's you know again I don't think I have seen that journey on screen at all and it was something I had to kind of come to on my own because also I was kind of ashamed to tell any of my friends or my parents or you know you get the just you just need to eat three meals a day it's like I know how to eat mm-hmm. like it's not the issue about not being able to eat um so yeah, so so but now you know you mentioned the whale like there's that to the bone which is which was the um uh, uh Marty Marty oh Marty Knox who it's um she used to direct she wrote on Buffy the Vampire Slayer Marty mm-hmm. Knoxon that's it okay she she wrote on Buffy the Vampire Slayer and then Lily uh Lily Collins Phil Collins' daughter she yes. played the lead character in and there's a lot of conversation as well about her doing and she lost a lot of weight for their roles mm. and I think it's interesting just even getting into the sorry I'll, I've kind of moved on of like my my stream of consciousness has gone into that bit okay. but with that one we had you know a character called Kendra who is a plus size black woman who you know she's enemas she's as laxatives to as part of her eating disorder, but she wasn't there because she's going to die. A lot of the time, you know, when we see eating disorders, like skinny, it's like they're on the verge of death. Like mm-hmm. they're going to die. Mm-hmm. Drop that gorgeous, like perfectly showed that in the best satirical yeah. way. And I think, oh my God, let's, let's get back to Drop that Gorgeous in a second <laughs> because I think it's such a brilliant representation, but it's like, I think we are in our depictions of how we do eating disorders. You're right. It is always like some like bone thin, uh, generally white woman who, mm. And it's what's what's so difficult to pull apart here is that we have this culture that is obsessed with thinness and um, will show us, you know, a 15 year old model wearing Levi's jeans and she's like pick thin or whatever. Mm. And we're told this is not this is normal womanhood. This is like, yeah, it's what people look like. It's kind of a fantasy, but this is what people and then like that's everywhere. That's like literally our base level of existence in the world, like getting on the London tube is like that. Um, And then we and so we've 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 nurtured an entire sort of society to believe that this is both normal, regular and desirable. And then we uh, depict women who are roughly the same weight or or BMI or whatever in these shows and like the camera is just naturally programmed to caress their thinness do you mm. know what I mean because, and that's how the camera has trained us to look at their yeah. thinness so it's like yeah she might be sort of like holding a sort of shawl around her mm. and shivering and she's Lily Collins and whatever and it's like it's it's so hard to represent any kind of disordered eating in a way that is responsible because of the way we're already programmed to look at thin women yeah and I don't know how we get around that except for the drop dead gorgeous example yeah exactly so talk us through that bit that, yeah. that, that film and that particular character and scene um um drop dead gorgeous I mean just like absolutely iconic written by a woman Lona Williams um I feel like I mean it's so interesting that was one of those films where 
it's got a cult following since. Mm-hmm. Like, even though it was so great, the same for the Heathers. No one liked Heathers when it came out. And it's got yeah. a cult following since. I mean, I'm, it's madness to me that people didn't just love it at the time. But with uh, Mary Johansson, so she's the pageant winner from the previous year. And so first time we see her, she's like this emaciated figure in a hospital bed. And of course, this is, you know, if you haven't seen Drop Dead Gorgeous, it's like a mockumentary style uh, style shooting. You know, think like The Office. Um but and Kirsten Dunst plays like a wannabe um, pageant winner. There's lots of contestants. You know, some of the first roles for like Amy Adams was in it. And as Brittany well. Murphy is in yes, it. Yes, fabulous oh in this. Uh, she was. I, I still feel there's a question about like her death, and I'm still uh, maybe I'm a I bit know. too conspiracy theory about I, it. I feel like we're gonna get more info. I yeah. need like a docu series on Brittany Murphy. That's yeah. what I need. Um, well, then I get Kirstie Alley plays like the mm. Denise Richards' mom, who's like the formal pageant winner. She's like super conservative. Yeah. It just gets into all these things. And you have Ellen Barkin and Alison Janney playing best friends, which is perfect. But it's a perfect film. It's just per- It's just I've yeah. almost covered it on the podcast several times, but I feel like I don't even bother because it's like it's perfect. And yeah. no, and there's nobody out there who doesn't think it's perfect. If you've no. seen it, you think it's pretty great. Yeah. I mean, actually, it's come, there is like some pretty challenging stuff about like people with um, disabilities, but like yeah. yeah so which I wouldn't recommend or love but other than that like it's just it's such a perfect satire of female culture I feel and what women do to one another not even at the behest of any kind of male gaze it's more like each other's gaze and it's very women looking at women women judging women and it's like the entire it gets into class as well that's what's really interesting about it Yeah, it's like pre-tier what's it called what's it called that TV show Um, what's it called tiaras and what was it? The toddlers and toddlers tiaras. and tiaras, and it's like before that, and it's like that kind of preempted that sort of culture. And you see that series is like madness. People come away with like they're kind of you know lost in it. It's like this is so trashy but good, and it like yeah. really captures that the characters are like midwestern. Like, I think I think beauty pageants in general, even though like most of us like they're such a specific thing. They're such a like a American, typically the South type of obsession. But I think they serve as such an amazing allegory for what it is to be female in the world yeah. that we're we all are kind of aware and of and are obsessed with them a bit. You know, mm. like we all. I think they, they they considering how they're not a thing in our lives assuming yeah. they were never a thing in your life they were never a thing in my life they take up a lot of real estate in my brain and the kind of framing of this whole film is like um, it's the sort of the, this tiny shitty little farm town or whatever the only way you can get out of this town as like a working class girl if you're Kirsten Dunst is to sort of win a scholarship yeah, she's a trailer park she lives on the she's trailer, trailer park she's a trailer park kid and like but also there's so much sort of credibility in it and it's typically won mm. by this family and it's kind of like a it's like a and then there were none but for beauty pageants like they all get <laughs> yeah. picked off one by one it's just so fa- it's and it, fabulous it's so interesting also like you've just it's kind of the modern day version of like having an accomplished woman right so you mm. think about like Pride and Prejudice and stuff it's like or oh, any of those period romps where mm-hmm. a, a young lady is a debutante plays and the they, pianoforte she, yes, <laughs> yes yes and she reads and you know she's accomplished in so many ways and yeah. I think you know you think about beauty pageants I wrote a piece about for BBC Culture when the misbehaviour came out and looked at the kind of like oh yeah whether it's can be feminist or not because I think mm-hmm. now they're really trying to push the feminist <laughs> angle but like the whole point of now to be like a beauty pageant like winner or, or a contestant you have to be accomplished you've not only got to look absolutely banging mm-hmm. still look good in a swimsuit like come on but you also have to like want world peace and you have to do all these things you have to like like a master's degree and mm-hmm. all these women go into it and it's like they they are accomplished but that's like this woman have to be everything and that's yeah. so much pressure as well it's like you have to be that perfect person mm-hmm. um but yeah like so drop dead gorgeous what i love about it is that 
you know, it doesn't, again, it's honest, it's truthful. And, it, and you know, we t- the eating disorder element of it, they don't show. It's like, for, like this looks awful. Like, she, they don't yes. make her look good. She literally cannot move. And she's got this, like, it's Alexandra Holden, the actress, and she's just got this, like, very, like, dreamy. she feels dreamy in her own world. And even the bit at the end where she's kind of, the previous winner has to come and do their routine again. Yeah, so importantly, the thing they're all fighting for this woman has already won the yeah. year before and she's she we barely see her and then it's like, oh, well, she's in hospital and we're yeah. like, what kind of thing? is yeah. So it's like this kind of record scratch moment of like, the thing that people are living and dying for yeah. is like, this woman is literally dying of it. Yeah. You know, yeah. like it's, it's such a great sort yeah. of record scratch. And I think that's what's gr- like, you're showing something that they're not, they're, they're teasing, they're using it in a satirical way to show this is not aspirational. Because I think mm-hmm. that's what it is. Beauty pageants, mm-hmm. they're aspirational, right? You, you want to look like that magazine. And I think it's really interesting when you get into looking at representation of characters on screen, but also the actresses who play them, like mm-hmm. in the wider culture as well. Because, you know, that is the celebrity culture, celebrity bodies, you know, that's all an extension of it. And we're so obsessed with female bodies, like, you know, going to like Laura Mulvey, talking about the female gaze, kind mm-hmm. of. Although I think, you know, nowadays you wouldn't... The female gaze... Uh, sorry, the male gaze is like... I, I don't know. I don't know if you can gender gaze really at this point because you get into the intersectionality of people. Like, mm. would it be male gaze of a lesbian filmmaker shot? Is that male gaze? It could also yeah. be, you know, like, and that's like a whole other subject we can get into. But you're kind of chopped apart. Like, in every time you see an image, whether it's on a moving image or a still image in a magazine, it's like women's bodies are there to be kind of dissected. Sometimes, you know, you don't even, you know, I always think it's interesting when they do bodies and they do, you know, the, the slow pan up the leg. It's like they mm. divorce, they take away the person's head. There's a whole thing, like advertisement, like um, about that sort of subordination where we dehumanize women mm-hmm. by actually only showing them as, um, you know, as a collection of body parts for mm. that people can desire, right? Yeah. Um, but even like if you, I mean, magazines are sort of like vanishingly relevant now, yeah. where it's, but like I always think that like if you look at a magazine stand and like if you're seeing like it's Emma Stone or some. Hayek or or Ava Green or whoever it's like them in the long and the wide do you know what mm. I mean you, ha- you see every single part yeah. of the body you see where the clothes cling to the body and you look at the cover of Men's Health or GQ and it's like smash cut of Chris Evans there's lots of lines in his face it's black and white yeah. he's smiling he likes his life salt and pepper hair it's always about like how look this is a guy man yeah. you love the guy up close with the guy yeah, you know like super rugged but I would actually say nowadays men's bodies have gone for a change especially when we think about superheroes like the superhero body has become the new yeah. standard for yeah. actors like uh, you know I, I'm you know I love superhero films and it's you know I've heard stories about what actors do the steroids that they take to get that mm. level of mm-hmm. like henchness butchness you know and now you have like look at people who are like um, Chris Pratt perfect example of someone who when he was in Parks and Recreation yeah. was like you know kind of you know normal guy heavy set whatever then he does his men's health cover because now he's playing star lord mm-hmm. and it's like let's do the rips out and that creates a standard even for men so you've got to be like that kumail yeah. nanjiani when he did eternals oh, yeah yeah you know that he did a men's health cover so actually now it's become whereas whereas women i don't know it's interesting i feel like you know and i don't want to just put it on like the kardashian thing but like it goes in like ebbs and flows circular isn't it so once you know now it's curves are kind of in and now you're supposed to have a bum and boobs and mm. you know i think of people like you know like christina hendrix who's like gorgeous or 
Billy. Um, okay, uh, so I have a thing about Christian Hendricks that yeah. has been on my mind for a long time. <laughs> and I've brought it up on this pod before because I think I talk about fashion being sort of Joan-pilled in the mm. 07s. Um, but um, this thing of like... I remember when Christina Hendricks happened and like that stills of her in Mad Men were everywhere. Mm. Like it was like, oh, the curvy shape, we love it, yum, yum. Um, but then it would always be like Christina Hendricks on a red carpet at like the Emmys or whatever. You, it, like it would be the first, per- she'd be the first person on the like, ew, no list. What not to wear? Yeah. Like, I remember Joan Rivers when I used to watch Joan Rivers. Wow, yeah. Used, she, I remember her saying, oh, they look like two bald toddlers headbutting each other <laughs> about her tits. And I found it so fascinating how like mad men could dress sort of you'll have uh, to dress that that then Mad, Mad, yeah, yeah exactly we could we, Joan was desirable because Joan is in the 1960s and Joan is in the time of Marilyn Monroe or whatever but Christina ew no, no. like it, and I find that such a weird you know what I really like as well even just like her body is again allowing women to have like wider stomach coming out do you know what I mean that's realistic mm-hmm. I think about like Rihanna where she you know she obviously gained weight and she's like you can't have the butt without the poncho or whatever that's yeah. what she kind of says it's like that's rea- realistic you know one of the things I I mean eat pray love whether you like that movie or not um, I like parts of it I like parts of it <laughs> but there's a line in it I, I and that's like seared into my brain and I mentioned it in an early part of the book but there's a bit where she's doing the eating bit Right, mm. she's in Italy, and it's just like, oh, I can't do my jeans up. Blah, blah, blah. I mean, she gets big in the way that only like acceptable Hollywood bigness. Like, mm-hmm. she can't be too like, mm-hmm. <laughs> she can't be like actual because of course we can't have anyone actually getting fat in in a film. But there's a bit in it where like her friend says to her, "It's like, oh god, I I've got so big, I can't close. You know, I feel horrible. It's like I'm like muffin top or something." She's like, "No one's ever gonna kick you out of bed." has anyone ever kicked you out of bed because of a muffin top? It's like, that's mm. so true. Like, we put so much pressure on ourselves of thinking we have to look this very sleek, like, washboard abs, like, just have, like, you know, bones jutting out and stuff. But most of the time, like, most men don't, act like, or whatever, not just if you want men or women, like, we don't, no one cares about that really that much. You know, of course, there's people who want to have, like, the supermodel type, but I want to give men a little bit more credit when it comes to sex yeah, that they're yeah. more interested in actually fucking you and worrying that you've got a little bit of thing hanging over you know yeah at the same time though it's like I think what we're we're very much centering this conversation in like a mid-size thing you know like yeah. but there I think I think life is still fucking hell if you're if, if you're dating and you're a woman and you're you know fat or heavy or whatever you know like I think it's it's, it's an awful experience yeah. if you're a straight woman on, on those apps yeah absolutely you know? I mean look at films like oh god even yeah like how often do you see a female lead who is... I mean, maybe, like, what's it? What's the... Um, Danielle McDonald, she's an Australian actress, and she was in this film called Patty Cakes, which I first saw, and she's a plus-size woman, and mm. she's desirable to this other guy, and it's like, great, that's like a normal romantic relationship mm. between not only, like, a, a, a woman who's plus-size, but, like, you know, a dark-skinned black man who's... You know, that... that You never see, you don't really see that a lot. Or, you know, even not to say that she's, you know, massive, but Queen Latifah in, like, Just Right where she's she's a chef, I think, in it, and mm-hmm. she thinks she's going to die. Is that the oh, one? Oh, no, you're talking uh, The Last Holiday, last which holiday. I low-key love. <laughs> but there's also Just Right, where she dates a basketball guy. But again, Queen Latifah, she's not the skinny standard. She's a black woman. She loves her body. Yeah. Like, I mean, I thought it was ridiculous once when I saw that. What was the name of Orlando Bloom's ex-wife is the model? Oh, yeah, I know you're you talking know about. I mean? Beautiful woman, yeah. yes. Yeah. But I remember there was a thing where she'd like 
Got she, people are screaming at the podcast now <laughs> what her name is. I know, tell us now. Uh, Miranda, I want to say. Oh, Miranda Kerr. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Miranda Lovely, love that we got here together. Got there, yes. <laughs> but there was a thing where she'd like, she even she had made her body slimmer. On like like size herself down like a photo or something. There's, there's all those there's all those Instagram accounts now mm. that will show any type of edits being done. The culture of like the beauty industry and the standards and the things that go on now with Botox and you know we were talking about um, you know like Azempic, this mm-hmm. diabetes drug. Yeah, so this Azempic conversation has been going around for a while, but um, if 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 no one's heard of it, can yeah. you give us a brief intro? Well, this is from my what I read from a cut article, so I'm not okay. an authority. But yeah. Azempic is a drug that's used by for people with diabetes and it's now being used in america where it's as appetite suppressant mm-hmm. right and so there are people there was a really interesting line in this the cut article and i recommend reading it if i go to find it but there was a woman and it's not just you know it's not just kind of like actresses and stuff there's people who work in pr agents like people in the periphery of the kind of like arts and culture kind of world but beyond that as well but it was like everyone who was who wasn't already thin, NLA is now thin. Mm-hmm. That sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's the buccal fat removal situation, which is wild to me. The buccal? Have you heard of this? Where like people are now getting, so you know we have, there's a, you know there's a big thing where it used to be like fillers mm. and you used to have like, you know, you'd have the quite puffy face that's supposed to make them youthful. Now mm. people are getting their buccal fat, which is like cheek fat removed oh. so now they have that slightly hollow so you can see the, so you see your oh. jawline a bit more oh, I think I Chrissy Teigen said that she'd actually had it done she admitted to having it done oh wow yeah I can think of a few people who looks a yeah. bit like that yeah no I have this um this whatsapp group that I'm part of that's other other women in the media and um I feel like every other day we're like Guess who's guess who's on as empty? Yeah, get, and it's it's so strange because the conversation and because these are these are connected ladies, you know. Yeah. So like the conversation has filtered down from like this Hollywood movie star is on as How how awful and sad because it's terrible for your health and it's also terrible for this for the general beauty standard. But also terrible for people but with also, diabetes who can't get this drug anymore. Yeah, because they take that. it so they're out of supply and that's what's insane. Totally. And uh, but then it's like it's filtering down. Like I had a, once some friends saying I I met some like a media assistant at a party and she is on. Ozempic. Oh wow! You know, and it's like it's like yeah. so. It's this thing. It's like wow. What starts with celebrities inevitably filters down. Like it used yeah. to be really, really unusual for a normal person to get yeah. Botox, and now yeah, lots of people have it. And you know, is, and this is the thing why it's really interesting to look as part of you know my my book is about on screen representation. It's also what's going on behind the scenes because you know one of my most famous diet pill users, Judy Gar. Uh, 
Judy Garland, right? Mm-hmm. She was forced to have those when she was like a teenager to mm-hmm. keep herself slim. You know, it's insane. And she obviously kind of like never truly recovered from that in- experience. You know, I write in the book, the big thing, I, I'm, I'm sure you probably remember the maple syrup diet when that was yeah. all the rage. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember seeing it because... Um, Beyonce, when she was doing Dreamgirls, she had two weeks to do a ca- scenes where she's playing a 16-year-old. And I oh know, so it's like she might, th- she's basically going between 16-year-olds and 36 years old in the mm-hmm. musical about mm-hmm. kind of about Diana Ross and the Supremes. Yeah. But it's not, apparently. But mm-hmm. I mean, she's called Dina. Um, and it was interesting how she gets asked about it. And she talked about it at Oprah. And then, of course, we're obsessed. We're obsessed. This is what someone does it I remember reading one article about Cameron Diaz does the water water diet yeah yeah. what is that the maple syrup diet is literally it's like maple syrup lemon juice cayenne cayenne pepper pepper, just in water just like shake shake it up and and that's it and I came back I remember and she was talking about a pause again because we're so obsessed with women's bodies that even in media that's the things we have to ask and even though even though she literally says in the interview, she's like, I did this for a movie role. And again, yeah. you know, things that you can get into a whole thing about things people do for a movie role, where it's mm-hmm. gaining weight, losing weight, and the media storm around it, and it adds this sense of, you know, I wrote about method acting recently, and a lot mm-hmm. and a lot of people confuse method acting with, like, losing weight for a role. As if yeah, that's method, that's, it's not actually, yeah, yeah. that's not what it is. That's just going to extreme. But there's anytime someone loses, like, you know, Christian Bale, Tom Hanks, you know. Yeah. Um, anytime these people lose weight, people are so interested in it. It creates more drama. And it's this, this idea is, of suffering for the role. And it means, yes. like, oh, this is a labor rather than it just being playing make-believe. Yeah. And I think as well, I think if a person has to get into a physical condition for their job, that's between them and their job kind yeah. of thing. But if And so if that existed in a vacuum, that would be fine. I'd be like, oh, you know. Yeah, Beyonce wanted needed to play a sixteen year old. It makes sense that she needed to be. I don't know. I, I guess whatever. Um, but like it, these things don't happen in a vacuum. Yeah. They are then just like disseminated. Yeah. Um, and 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 what's weird is like it's like this. You know those like fairy tales where like the witch you know d- does a thing for you and it's it's like the Wizard of Oz. It's like oh you had it all along kind yeah. of thing. What that maple syrup diet is and other kinds of diet like that. It's like it actually has nothing to do with the maple syrup, the lemon juice, or the cayenne pepper. The eating disorder was within you all along. Yeah. Like it, it was about not eating calories. Do you know yeah, what I mean? It's like yeah. you, we found all these ways to jazz up not fucking eating like I I remember in the early noughties when I was a teenager me and my sister and my mum doing the special K drop a gene size oh my god that was like two weeks drop a gene size in two weeks like that was normal and it was exciting like it was fun that we were all doing this thing together and no one really thought about it you know oh my god it's just insane and you know I think about the I think about this the Beyonce thing where where she talks about it and I suppose now I'm at the conclusion kind of I think it would behoove a lot of these actors to not talk about it mm. say I did an unhealthy diet that's how this lost weight I'm not going to tell you how to do it because the minute she did told people what yes, she did that's it. suddenly it gets reprinted everywhere if you google maple syrup diet you can do it, learn how to do it it's right? a bit now. like yes it's so and now we have online yeah. so it's not just you'd read it in a magazine and it's gone now you can literally find it now we, now we have online <laughs> yeah now we have the online this internet I think it's going to catch on <laughs> um, yeah I, I have a friend an old friend who now works at the BBFC and and he told me one of the first things he had to do when he got the job was to review the age rating on the craft mm. um, because there is a scene, a self-harm scene in that. And there's a, 
the reason it's an 18s, even though it's fairly inoffensive as a movie, is because there is details about it that could be represented as um, tips, essentially. Yeah. As yeah. like, here's how you, quote unquote, yeah. properly cut your wrists kind of thing. Um, and it makes me think that, like, do we need, we do need that around yeah. weight loss. And it makes me think that, like, um, is there any ethical way to yeah. show or talk about having an eating disorder that doesn't lay the groundwork of tips in young people's heads. Yeah, it's really interesting because there is that idea, especially when it comes to cinema, it is so influential. Because it's a visual art form, you yeah. know? Like it's... And there, um, I was listening to sing a podcast the other day about like, um, Michael Foucault, Michel Foucault, and it was like his subject and power, and it's like how actually we don't really have an original thought. We're so conditioned by, we're mm-hmm. socialised, right? Mm-hmm. We're all everything that we do is socialism is socialized by our parents, what we watch on screen, what we read, and all that. So actually, even if subconsciously you might not think about, it, you might watch a movie and think. I mean, look again as we're talking about, it's like rape culture, right? Is normalized mm-hmm. on screen by the fishing or whatever. Like we normalize what you're supposed to look like because of the way people looked at on screen. We normalize that actually um, people's story that matter in society are white people because they're the most people who have been seen on screen. We normalize stereotypes and all that. You know, it's interesting. You know, going back to Heather's you know and I think again just such a perfect film um and I actually if you want to listen to a um me talking to Michael Lehman it was his directorial debut and I do a podcast series called First Film Club and do event series oh amazing there's like an hour and 20 minutes of me chatting to him about Michael Lehman you can find it on like any podcast platforms but like just the way I love about similar to Drop Dead Gorgeous it's like there's a scene where they're in a bathroom and then it's just such a little thing that you don't know notice unless you've actually done it yourself mm. but like there's a bit where like like veronica's helping heather duke throw, throw up right mm. but we don't see her doing it but we see her file her nail down veronica file her nail down and that's such a little moment that's oh. like oh wow Is we that... know we know what she's doing that's kind of like she's and again i'm not going to get into it but if you know if you've ever been bulimic you know what you do to kind of make yourself sick that was like a little nod to it and it's like so you might not recognize that if you aren't aware of like what bulimia and Mm. i think that's a way you can kind of i don't know like knowingly kind of touch on it and make it feel real and of course you know heather chan was like grew up heather eating bulimia so like 87 and i think that's just brilliant because it's like the issue isn't your eating disorder it's just you're out of fashion like Mm -hmm. come on you need to go on to whatever the hot way to like be an eating disorder but you know cinema it's you know should do you need to show a a whole rape for it to feel like a rape scene right Mm -hmm. or do you need to show someone actually puking up or whatever to show that that person because again like you said the tips and stuff Mm -hmm. but then there's also a level of you know, there's not a trigger warning of life. Sometimes yeah. you better reflect it. Sometimes you have to show it. It's just like, I suppose the way which is showing, maybe it's just a case of like, you know, trigger warnings before it. Like this has depictions of stuff. I think sometimes, especially when it's younger people as well, I think parents should be, f- you know, there is the BBFC are doing, you know, they do their job. And there's been an interesting thing about like how actually when it comes to female sexual pleasure, that gets a higher rating than male sexual pleasure, mm-hmm. which is wild to me. And I think they're getting better on that. Mm-hmm. But, but. Wait, what? Like, yeah, there's like in historically, like say something like, and there's a, um, but I'm a cheerleader, mm-hmm. got like a higher rating than American Pie because it had like, like lesbian sex scene. And it was because of the, you know, that's the, the, 
whatever the American uh, equivalent of the BBFC is. But mm-hmm. sometimes when it comes to if someone's, if a woman's getting oral sex or if a woman's having, you know, getting eaten out or something, that's considered a higher, that has been given a higher age rating. I think Evan Rachel Woods talk about it before. It's like it gets bumped up to like an 18 or an N17. God. It's just insane, isn't it? Yeah, but again, it's mad. I think, um, yeah, when, so when it, uh, I, sometimes again, when it comes to these films, especially when you're in a 12A territory where like it's like a free for all, like you never go to a movie and it's like you watch like, a, I don't know, like a, like, you know, Doctor Strange and Multiverse of Madness and people got like five year olds in it. It's like mm-hmm, 12A mm-hmm. is like use, use some like common sense parents. You shouldn't be taking your kids into that. I do think we should be a bit more mindful if you've got, if you're in, responsible for other people, younger people, being mindful of what you're showing them. Maybe have a conversations afterwards, right? Mm. One of the big things when I went to cinemas with my parents, why I love it is that, you know, we go see a movie and we talk about it afterwards. So I don't know. There's, a, it's, there's, no, there's no right answer or wrong answer. I think it's just like, how do we... Um, how do we talk about it in a way where we're not kind of, yeah, we're not, um, I suppose, reinforcing it or trying to promote it as like, yes, do this. Yeah. Like I even, I, we spoke about this before the podcast, but, um, this Jacqueline Wilson book mm. that I adored, um, I'm, I'm sure we should cover them on the podcast at some point. There was a, a, ver- a, a series she did for slightly older teenagers called, um, the girls sort of mm. <laughs> before Lena Dunham, there was Jacqueline Wilson. <laughs> it was girls, um, out late girls under pressure and girls, girls in, in love. love. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I think I've told it in the reverse order, but yes. And there was girls in tears, which came many years later. Mm. Um, <laughs> but, um, I feel like you must like, as someone who writes in the young out space, like you must keep abreast of all the kind of, I do. I yeah. Do you get I, sent yeah. the? Do you get sent the books? Because I would. I love never to get, get sent, sent Jacqueline Wilson book. I would love to, but I've no. Just started volunteering. They don't need me. <laughs> I don't think. I just. She's now doing Enid Blyton, right? And she's redoing yes. them. But I do this. I volunteer for Doorstep Library, where it's like a charity where we go into like local community and we with young kids once a week with different families. And there's these boxes that we pick, so we pick the books up and take them with them. And there's a load of Jacqueline Wilson's books that I haven't read because yeah. I was like a Jacqueline Wilson fan, but and like, I'm like, can I steal them? Being a Jacqueline Wilson fan is a bit like being a Simpsons fan in that like yeah. you and I both know we're talking about a certain era like probably between like 1998 and 2007 or mm. something but actually there's been about 30 Jacqueline Wilson books since then that we have no idea yeah. what she's talking about now back then she was obsessed with like the care system and like yeah. capital I issues and single moms or whatever um, there will be a Jacqueline Wilson episode someday I promise you listeners but um, <laughs> there this, this book Girls Under Pressure which um, the lead character Ellie of this series who's kind of um yeah, I think she's sort of a size sort of 14 is, is kind of how she's depicted. Um, and she's got two very thin mates and they all kind of get swept up in various body issues in this book. And she has an eating disorder within it. It develops mm-hmm. and it describes all of the things that she does Um for one of the things that like I think about every single time I go into a public pool it's just there she says if you um, so if I read if you swim early in the morning it kickstarts your metabolism and then I so I go for my swim before school and then mm. I don't eat until lunch and then I have this tiny lunch and so like it I loved that book so much because it made me understand I, I didn't have an eating disorder as a kid really apart from that one <laughs> drop a jean size face <laughs> but that was more of an experiment but I, I mean that was a communal eating disorder yeah it was. community that was being part of the community that was being part of the, part of the family um but I do I do have friends who are like, oh, yeah, I internalised all of that as tips. Yeah, but that's what you do. I mean, you know, even like there's a bit where, I mean, Clueless, I love that film. But there's a bit where they're at lunch and she, like, it's just, again, a throwaway comment. But it's so apt um, 
where like Cher goes to gym, it's like, if you cut it up into little pieces, it um, it likes less calories, something like that. And it's like, yeah, and I remember yeah. watching Skins and there's Cassie. that. Yeah, and mm-hmm. she does this, she shows Ed how like it makes it look like she's eating without actually eating. So it's like moving around stuff on the plates and it's interesting the things you stick with, right? And even, you yeah. know, going back to Super Size Super Skinny, I, like... I was like, what are they eating? Sometimes they'd be like, mm, oh yeah, maybe if I yeah. could recreate, recreate that. And I suppose there has to be a sense of, you know, I mean, I do think that's a, I do think that series is pretty problematic and you would not get away with it today. Mm. I mean, also like, you know, things like The Biggest Loser and stuff like that, you know, it's a whole culture around like extreme makeover and these yeah. things where bodies on display and it's like, you got to look this way, which obviously gave us it all. Yeah. And all, all those shows where it would be like, this is what this person eats in a week gross kind of thing like laying it all in front of them is awful but I am thinking a lot more what you said about we are um, I think women we have all this language and context for discussing amongst each other the ways in which like millennial culture like early millennial culture like fucked us up and size zero and all this and I feel like we're all unpicking the trauma together Mm. but I do worry about the men because you're right like they're they are the kind of unrealistic body image thing has really come for them. It's always been there, but it's really come for them mm. in the last 15 years. And I, when I think about the men in my life, pretty much all of them have a pretty big hang up that they will not, mm. don't, don't really like to talk about, don't really like to get into, think it's weird that anyone else thinks it's weird kind mm. of thing. And I, I worry that it's like we, I, because I'm a freelancer, as are you, I spend a lot of time in my neighbourhood and mm. just wandering around in the middle of the day and I see a lot of PTs. Mm. <laughs> PTs going to or from some kind of park boot yeah. camp situation and they're always just like drinking a protein shake on a on like a, a wall and like slamming a muffin into their mouth because <laughs> they're just like getting up the energy for the next thing and I just think PTs eating alone should be its own sort of photo series. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but like I, I, I keep thinking, I was like, we have we're building we're just farming all this masculinity we're farming all this hyper masculinity and we have nothing to do with it mm. like we don't have any physical jobs we have no manufacturing jobs left in yeah. any of the countries that we live in um like um there is there is you know obviously you know there's a war in Ukraine, Ukraine right now but like in terms of men in the armed services it's like yeah. the dwindling what is it all for what what are they you know it's interesting because you know? I've kind of re on a personal level like me trying to understand why am I working out now like what am I working out for yeah Um, and I think it, if we reframe like being fit and healthy as less about aesthetic outer aesthetic but like inner health because sure. I feel like one of the reasons of course like I I, I just I, you know, you never know what's going to happen. You never know when you might need to run away. Well, true, there's that, yeah. <laughs> and I think it's like, I feel stronger in my body. I feel healthy. It's also all the cardiovascular, like, mm-hmm. exercise, area of exercise is really good for you. And oh, I when get you that. Get older we all get that exercise is good yeah, for you. Yeah, 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 but I think, like, there's so much now. It's like, even trying to get people who don't, you know, especially when you get to, a, you know, uh, some conversations I have with people where, now that their metabolism is like really slow, everywhere else we all know, like, you know, have to do GCSEPT, no, but your metabolism slows down. Mm-hmm. And, but they haven't, you know, now they're kind of like really insecure about their bodies because it's like they didn't have to worry about stuff when they, or they didn't worry about these things when they were kind of a bit younger. Now mm-hmm. there's this sense of, 
you know, they just want to be able to get up the stairs or, you know what I mean? Yeah. Not lose, lose, lose breath, lose their breath. Um, but with the men thing, I don't know. It's interesting. It's all like, it's all about, it all kinds of comes down to capitalism though and consumerism, right? It's like, look, you can buy the perfect body. And if you just invest in this, it's just new ways of us to spend our money. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I also think it, it kind of comes down to sort of like a lack of male community thing. Like, yeah. I, like, I think there was that thing men lifting weights together is definitely like yeah. a weird like, little way they punt I think it's interesting because you know you mentioned about like men getting these girls like I had an ex-boyfriend who was like I just need to lose like this couple of pounds like this like a loser stone yeah. and he'd go running and stuff like that I mean he drank a lot of beer like you know it wasn't you know it was, he was like seven years older than me but it was kind of like I didn't mind I was like you don't have to you yeah. don't do it for me if you want to do it for you that's fine but don't feel like you need to because yeah. I'm you know I love you the way you are I wonder if you've seen this viral tiktok that goes around you know those like horrible tiktoks where it's like someone just runs up to somebody on the street to ask them an invasive question and oh yeah it's like my worst genre of thing but nonetheless i have seen them um but there's this thing of like this guy and he's like he's like a big guy like a hefty guy and like he i would say like you know rugby player build or whatever and um he goes up to this um sort of very skinny cool festivaly coachella looking girl and he's like uh, would you date me if I lost weight kind of thing or would you date me if I wasn't fat or something and he puts the mic over to her and she's goes I would date you now <laughs> like yeah, and it's like yeah all oh, but like also it's like he won't be- he kind of doesn't believe her and he won't yeah. believe her and like even if you look in the comments it's like oh yeah fucking right bitch yeah. <laughs> as if kind of thing and it's like yeah like men just they don't really believe us do you yeah. know what I mean because they, they're they believing each other it's, it's the same with yeah, women yeah. we don't believe men when they say that they don't really mind and if we say this, you know more more men who are plus size can get women than the other way around. Oh, absolutely. Right? So it's yeah. kind of, it's, yeah, it's, it's an, yeah, so it's, it's a weird one, isn't it? I think, you know, going back to your, what, you know, thinking about like how can, where's the responsibility? Are we showing things, you know, go back to girls under pressure, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, is she showing too much detail? Maybe, you know, when we were growing up, that's easy to internalize because there wasn't an interrogation of that conversation. Yeah. We didn't really know again what eating disorders was. I don't remember really talking about it at school. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And again, the idea of being slim was normalized in our culture. But even mm-hmm. that book was a representation of you don't have to be a thin yeah. person to yeah. have an eating disorder. I yeah. think that's what's so powerful and great about that yeah, book. Yeah, yeah. I think, but even if you cut, but if you were reading that and you had no concept, and it's great, you can take that. And you know, some people read that and will take tips or whatever. Mm. But I think what's really great about now is the way there's less shame about talking about it. Like, you know, the first time, you know, me writing about my eating disorder in my book was like really freeing. I wrote that whole chapter in a day. It just kind of fell out of me. I was like, it just felt really good. And I, mm. I never really spoke to anyone about it like kind of before and then be able to try and you realize how many people have got to go okay, yeah same girl like mm. all these people that I knew in my life who had gone through their own thing now we can have an actual discussion about it and talk about it and say okay we can watch that but also maybe we don't have to take the face mm. value I think now we're able to have a dialogue and conversation and we're pushing back a bit against the kind of you know there is still a ridiculous standard that maintains I think all of us mm. I think it's really hard to untangle that sort of like ingrained patriarchal kind of like control and all the way we look so you know we talk about in body hair as well it's like am I shaving my armpits because I want them shaved or yeah, yeah. do I still it's feel like cons- it's yeah 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 I feel like, like that conversation has been planted in our heads to distract yeah. us from our rights being taken away yeah. it's like we're constantly it's like, why am I putting on lipstick no yeah, more abortion yeah <laughs> like- yeah it's, it's these it, we just and it's just like again it's forcing us to think about these things 
And it just feels like, actually, it would just be really good if we have just an outlet to talk about stuff when we're feeling a bit shit and feeling mm-hmm. a bit down and why we use these as crutches. And also, again, with eating disorders, when we treat it as a mental health condition rather as like a kind of, you know, diet obsession, you know. Because mm. also, you know, it can also be an addiction, right, isn't it? When you eat food, like you're addicted to that feeling of I want to fill myself up or I want to have that, you know. I. It's a really tough conversation that I don't, uh, you can't generalize. It's not a monolith. Everyone has their own. Yeah, there's a reason why there are entire podcasts dedicated to just this. And yeah. like, I really recommend people who listen to like Maintenance Phase and, and, and podcast like that. Because this, this is very much just us sort of glancing It's so off funny it, when you say you know? Maintenance Phase. I have another podcast, but I know exactly what that means. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I know it's what really that means. It's really great. Exactly. How to yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like, we're so used to it. Like diets and, and all these things, like you can't be... Uh, a female identifying person and not really know what diets are it's kind of I don't know if we want the equality where I mean is it equality that men have to deal with this now this is I, mean, I think there's often this thing I find it very fascinating when like men begin to suffer from things that like yeah historically have been female problems there's like a weird instinct just to go like huh, we'll see how you like it yeah. kind of thing. but actually it's like no that's terribly sad mm. um, the, the last thing I wanted to bring up I wonder if you've seen it was um did you ever watch Bojack Horseman? Yes. So I think that show had patches of great and patches of fine. Um, but one storyline I loved is that you have the Diane character mm. who who begins the series as like, she's very much like the messy millennial woman. She's like mm. very much a fleabag type character of like, she's a love interest. She's um, she's also cool. She's right? cool. I don't care about things. But you know, even though she's a cartoon, you know the kind of yeah. um, person that she's representing. Um, but as it as it goes on, um, we and I think what's, what's good about that show is it peels back the layers on archetypes. It's like mm. it really sits with like, this is the thing that this person is presenting, but here are the sort of layers within it. And here's how much of that is a show and how much of it isn't. And with her, it's like she's somebody who's like suffering from a lot of different um, traumas and, you know, depression and all this kind of stuff. And towards the end of the series, she goes, she moves to Chicago with her sexy ox boyfriend Mm. (laughs) and um, she goes on meds and because of the meds she gains weight Mm. and so for that half of the series we just see a bigger Diane and it's the thing of like showing a character who has gained weight but who's better off Mm. and we need more of that yeah so it's i think it's such a powerful storyline to show somebody who is bigger because they're happier because they're looking after themselves because so much of the conversation is framed towards someone's bigger it means they're not looking after themselves Mm. we're just worried for you that kind of thing which i think is so poisonous and you know to bring that back around to heathers i think about martha dump truck the character oh and you know what's really interesting about her i love the fact that she and Veronica become friends. I love the journey that Veronica goes on in the sense of she's a dick, mm-hmm. but she's also that kind of peer pressure into being that sort of way. And, you know, misanthrope of like Christine Slater, so Jakey comes in, but then in the end, she kind of like saves, she's like, no, actually, I'm not going to be like nihilistic about it and mm. let's save it. And then her and Martha Dumbtruck like walk up as mates in the end. And, but I think it was, you know, Martha is a lovely person. Mm. She's not even the kind of stereotype of being like a jolly you know bubbly that person right because that's Mm. often like the case that's how they get like people who are of that size get labeled with yeah but she you know she if she wasn't getting bullied about her weight by the heathers by school she could just be living her life and being great like Mm. and just be happy with herself she tries to commit suicide and fails and thank god she does fail Mm -hmm. and then she goes off and then it's like it feels like she's the one who didn't have to change herself Right. She didn't have to go on a journey because she was always lovely. And I think 
that's actually I love that characterization where someone's actually just like inherently just a good person and it's like you can go away from it and of course Veronica should want to be friends with her mm. and I like that she's like Veronica should be more like Martha right I like yeah. kind of like that and as you know, what you're saying about like how how do we present people who are you know happy in their body I mean look Martha's not happy in her body because she's bullied right because of the yes. society yes and that's 19 whatever 89 or whatever when it came out 88 so like for me to see people who are different sizes or a bigger size you know and again it's such you know again who knows your body how tall you are factors into how big you look or whatever like that it's like I love it when you have a character where yeah it's just be, who they are who they are when I when I when I think of that I a scene that always makes me cry is in School of Rock where um, I think the character's name is Tamika mm. um, oh the amazing singer at the end who yeah, comes yeah, to the yeah. Center, yeah. but she um you know, she comes up, she's sort of like, they have this moment where he assigns all everyone in the class random jobs and every, and, and like, you, you know, posh spice, you know, yeah. you're on base or whatever. And it's like, he gets to these like three kids at the end who he hasn't given a job to. And they're kind of like, they're all quite, you know, big kids or whatever. And he goes, roadies. And that's it. <laughs> and it's funny. But then she comes up at the end of class and she's like, you know, I can sing. I'm a singer. And she sings this incredible. And he's like, wow, this is amazing. Why didn't you put your hand up? And she's like, well, because I'm, I'm fat, you know, and he he doesn't say, no, you're not fat. He doesn't say like, he doesn't feel sorry for her. And he's like, I'm fat. Like, and everyone mm. loves me because when, I, when I'm on stage, I'm sexy. I'm great. I'm amazing. And like, you know, you look at Aretha, she's a big mm. woman. Everyone wants to party with Aretha. And it's just like, I just wish there was more things like yeah. that. You know? you know what? Keeping on the Jack Black flex. I mean, him in the yeah. holiday being Kate. Was like, have you seen the TikTok where he's like, doesn't he's like, it's like you can believe that that like Kate Winslet, <laughs> we went to Kate Winslet, who starred with Leonardo DiCaprio, wants to be with Jackie McBlackety. <laughs> and it's like it's like him because again, you know, he's not. I love him so much. I love him. So, if you can find that clip, I saw it on TikTok. And I'm obsessed with it. Um, and you know, when you think about the holiday, like. Again, Kate Winslet, you know, gorgeous rose from Titanic, you know, all mm. that type of thing. And then, like, he's not exactly what you would consider, like, the Hollywood guy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so for him to be the love interest in that, I mean, again, it's so much easier for, like, guys to do it. But again, he's always been, Jack Black has always been, like, a bigger guy. He's and a I love that he's guy. a romantic, yeah, it's a yeah. romantic interest. Like, that's beautiful. Not just being, like, the chubby psychic. Although I will not forgive him for um, Shallow Hell. <laughs> no, yeah, I would rather leave that alone. <laughs> um yeah, I, but I think it's, I'm really interested in, you know, the kind of Harry Styles is wearing a dress. Oh, my God, what a trailblazer mm. kind of thing. And uh, Timothy Chalamet wearing a dress. Oh, my God, what a trailblazer. Mm. And like, great. It's lovely. Cool. Um, but I'm like, it's not, it's not groundbreaking. No. If people who are already the sta- the beauty standard are doing it, in my eyes, it's like oh, yeah. when Jack Black is wearing an evening gown and everyone's like, "Fucking hell, Jack Black!" Yes, yeah. and have you, you seen like, on a Super Mario Brothers press tour? I mean, he's, he's so been funny, killing he's it, so in his, lovely like, in his Bowser outfits. I love it. But you're right, isn't it? And I think of people like um, like Sam Smith, for example, is somebody yeah. who's talked a lot about like yeah. their, their queerness and their ways and whatever. And like people are still like, mm, I don't know, kind of thing. But then again, Harry Styles in a dress, it's like standing ovation yeah. you know but and it's the and you know when you say sam smith and they're kind of you know they should they should be able to wear what they want and again we shouldn't be dissecting it yeah. in that sort of way but we're just a bitchy society um okay we're we're really running out of time but um hannah your book strong female character is out now 
Yes, you um, can. Uh, yeah, it's out on. You can get an audiobook as well if you if you like the way I sound on this podcast. You can hear me sounding a little bit sultrier because when I do my podcast audiobook voice it's oh. just a little bit nicer uh, and you also have a podcast of your own yes so i so i have two podcasts i have uh fade to black which is a weekly review podcast so we re- review the weekly films when we talk about hot takes and mm. sometimes interviews as well and then i do like a capsule podcast called the first film club which we also do an event series where we speak to people about the first films they've made and you can listen to um our interview with my interview with michael layman whose first film is it's insane to me his first film's heathers Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com